Welcome to the Batman News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, and with me is nobody. I'm alone in my hotel room in Columbus, Ohio, because I'm on the road working on a show right now. Uh, so there's no Andy DiGenova here with me, no Mark Hughes here with me. Uh, Andy, I'm sure you've all been keeping up with over on Holy Batcast, because that show's been uh, going strong. Uh, but you've probably noticed that there hasn't been a Batman News Podcast episode in a while, and I know some of you have been asking questions, so I wanted to take some time to update you on all of that. But before I get into it, uh, the first thing that I need to do is, of course, uh, acknowledge and, and pay my respects to the Batman that we lost this week. We lost Adam West. I was working Saturday morning, and then I saw a tweet that he had passed, and I didn't even believe it when I first saw it. I thought it was some kind of stupid joke or prank. I was checking to see if maybe it was April Fool's Day, uh, but of course it, it was not. Um, I, I needed to like scan through and see a couple more you know, headlines, a couple more tweets about it to really believe that, that it was real, um, because Adam West is the kind of icon that you just assume will live forever, and he will, his body won't, but Adam West will live forever in our hearts. A legend like that uh, never truly goes away. So it is very, very sad to lose him, to know that he is no longer walking among us, but he is, as he always was, living above us, and I think, and living within our hearts, and I think that will, that will never go away. Everything that I do, whether it's writing for, back when I was writing for Batman on Film, doing the Batman on Film podcast, to having uh, Modern Myth Media, to Batman News and, super, and Superhero News, Marvel Studios News, all this stuff that I do, writing and podcasting about superheroes, it all comes from a deep passion for these kinds of characters and these kinds of stories, and it's something that's been with me uh, for all of my life, and the person who, there are really two individuals who, or I guess I should say three individuals, who have most of the responsibility for that uh, in terms of getting me drawn in. One of them, of course, is uh, is Stan Lee, who invited me into the Marvel Universe, but even before that, it was about Adam West and Cesar Romero. We lost Cesar Romero, who of course played the Joker on the Adam West Batman series, uh, we lost him a long time ago, but uh, so losing Adam West, it's it's difficult. I mean, it is an, a natural part of life, of course. It's inevitable, um, and it's it is sad to lose someone, but it's not necessarily the kind of shocking tragedy when someone goes before their time. Adam West lived a long life all the way to the age of 88 and made a tremendous impact uh, for all the time that he had on this earth. And so it really is more of celebrating a legacy uh, even though celebrating that legacy feels bittersweet right now, um, and that is the the difficult thing. But, but again, Adam West did so much to inspire the love that I have for these stories, and that is something that stayed with me for all of my life. I don't know when I first saw Batman, but I'm pretty sure it was Adam West Batman. That's the first thing I can remember is watching reruns of that show, uh, as well as the movie that was born from that show. So Adam West had a profound impact on my life, and it is, and it's the same thing. I mean, it was difficult for me when, when I had found out that Cesar Romero had died, and it was, it's difficult, you know, Saturday was difficult learning that Adam West was gone, um, and it's, 
it is tough, but again, it's, I try to focus on, on the positive, even on sad days like this, sad weeks like this, that I, I can't think of, rather than focusing on the fact that he's no longer here, uh, thinking the, of the lifetime of joy that he's inspired uh, for so many. It's, it's not about me. It's, this is, there are so many people who I'm sure are listening to this right now um, who aren't even bothering with listening to this podcast or, or wherever who are fans of Batman or just fans of superheroes in general. And I think Adam West has a lot of responsibility for that, not just for me, but for many, many, many people. So um, it is with a, a heavy heart, but also one that is very, very proud that we bid, uh, that I bid farewell to Adam West, even though, as I said, uh, he's never leaving my heart for as long as it still beats. Um, so, and I don't, sorry, when something like this, I don't necessarily have the most natural transition, and I certainly don't have anything witty to say, but the next thing that I, I do want to cover is is the other question that, that some of you might have, which is what's been going on with the podcast. And it kind of was this perfect storm of things that uh, led to this unplanned hiatus for the Batman News podcast. Andy had been traveling for work, and as he was doing that, uh, I assumed duties of the uh, hosting duties for the Superhero News show on uh, on YouTube, which is over at youtube.com slash superhero news. And for those of you who follow Batman News, some of you are aware of Superhero News, which is owned by Chris Bagley, who also owns and, and founded Batman News. Superhero News has been around for uh, a couple years now, so some of you know about it, some of you may not. But if you want to hear DCEU talk, DCEU talk from myself, uh, as well as Mark Hughes, who has been on this show a couple times, and many of you know uh, from his articles uh, writing over at Forbes, we do that show every week, except for right now. We're on a little bit of a break uh, while I'm doing this traveling. Um, but, uh, but that will end pretty soon here in the next uh, week or, uh, next week or two. Uh, then we'll be back together uh, talking about that. Now, obviously, we talk about all superhero news, so it's not just Batman stuff and not just DC stuff. But you can hear us covering all the big DCEU stories over there, also reviewing the films and uh, doing trailer reactions, all that kind of stuff. The Superhero News Show, as well as the reviews that we do, are also available in audio form. It's on the Superhero News uh, podcast, which you can find in wherever you're finding this Batman News podcast. You can also find Superhero News. Uh, you, just have to, uh, you just have to go out and, and search for it. So, um, but that doesn't mean Batman News is, is totally going away. I'm still, we're still working on bringing this uh, podcast back. We don't know exactly what form it's going to take, if it's going to continue to be the audio show that it has been once uh, we have a better hand, once I certainly have a better handle on working on the superhero news show in addition to doing Batman news and plus all the day job responsibilities and, and all of those things. So we're still working on, on what that's going to be. Also looking at maybe an evolution of the Batman News podcast. Does video become part of it? We're looking at developing some video options for it and how that impacts the audio podcast. Those are all things that we are trying to sort out. So if you came in here looking for a definitive answer of what was going to happen, uh, I would love to give it to you, but we don't quite have it yet. But in the meantime, when we have a chance to do an audio podcast, we're going to do one uh, so we have a chance to talk about Batman News and DC stuff because I love talking about that stuff. And I love talking about it with my good friend Andy DiGenova. So one way or another, uh, we'll get that figured out, and we will still have. Uh, so there, there will be the Batman, some type of Batman news show. I just don't know exactly what form that will take. Um, 
And so it may not necessarily be a regular weekly thing for a while, um, but we're, we are working on it and working to bring things back. In the meantime, though, uh, you can definitely keep up with Andy, uh, Andy over at Holy Batcast. He has a great Batman podcast over there. Many of you are already listeners, and if you're not, please go ahead and subscribe and listen to that show. Andy puts out new shows pretty regularly over there uh, pretty much every single week. He's also got a new Disney show. If you like Disney animated films, he just launched it, uh, I think like literally yesterday or today from when I'm recording this, called Disorder, D-I-S, and I think it's hyphen order, where they're going through all of the uh, Disney animated catalog. So a shameless plug for Andy there, but I just wanted, just in case you like hearing him talk about Batman, maybe you'd also like hearing him and some buddies talk about uh, Disney. Uh, but anyway, so we're trying to bring the Batman News podcast back, and we're just trying to gonna figure out what form that's going to take. Uh, but since I'm here, I might as well answer some of your questions about the DCEU so that that way we have a chance to talk about it a little bit. Uh, before I answer any questions, I'll just point out that I know some of you are wondering, well, what did everybody think of Wonder Woman? Well, Mark and I loved it, and that's a review uh, both in non-spoiler and spoiler form that you can check out over on Superhero News or, again, check it out in audio form if you don't want to watch the video and look at our ugly mugs, I understand. Um, although my wife is in those videos giving her review of Wonder Woman, and she's much better looking than Mark or myself, so maybe that's worth watching. But, uh, and also giving probably better insight, too. I'm, I'm probably about to get fired. Uh, but anyway, let me go ahead and start answering some of your DCEU questions. The first one comes from at CChapel underscore on Twitter, or Cortez Chapel. If you could cast Andrew Garfield as any DC villain, who would it be and why? That is a tricky question. I don't know which DC villain cries the most, I guess, is maybe probably the good starting point for Andrew Garfield. I don't know. Um, I don't really have any role that I would say Andrew Garfield must play. I know a lot of people like him as a potential Riddler somewhere down the line. I'd be totally fine with that. There's no character other than the Riddler that just immediately uh, jumps out for Andrew Garfield. So I'd be, I'd be fine with that if, they, if he was going to play the Riddler. But uh, he might be... Well, actually, no, I don't know. If, if Ben Affleck is, is Batman and you have an, an older Batman, I guess Riddler doesn't have to be the same age as Batman. He could be a younger guy. That, I guess that could still work. So I guess for now I'll go with the Riddler. But I don't necessarily have any villain role for Andrew Garfield that I just absolutely love. Uh, let's see, next question comes from at Hassan T16. Do you think we will see more non-Batman slash Superman DCEU movies because of the success of Wonder Woman? Um, I think so. I, I think this finally has to give Warner Brothers some non-Batman slash Superman confidence, which I think is something they really haven't had because on most occasions when they've stepped outside of Batman or Superman, they haven't found the greatest success, whether that was Green Lantern in 2011 or Jonah Hex. I mean, it's mostly been, most of their success stories have been Batman and Superman and even Suicide Squad, which was financially successful, is obviously still deeply rooted in the Batman mythos because it stars Batman characters like Harley Quinn, like the Joker. Um, and of course, Batman actually appears in the film. But sure, I think Wonder Woman is... Uh, you know, provides hope and, and inspiration for uh, many, many, many different things, not just DC movies, but it, I think that also takes the form of showing Warner Brothers that, look, 
you can have a hit film that is not about Batman or Superman or even anywhere really related to them when you just tap into what people have always loved about a certain character or maybe even shown them things that they didn't realize how much they had loved about a certain character. Um, that audiences will embrace a character that they haven't seen on screen. Now, Wonder Woman, granted, this is not a a Guardians of the Galaxy type of situation. People had heard of Wonder Woman, of course, you know, before this movie. She had a TV show uh, with Linda Carter. She's been around, and she's she is for most people the the female superhero that they can name. Um, if you ask, and even before this movie came out, if you had asked anyone on the street to name five superheroes. Wonder Woman is probably was probably going to be one of the five that they named, especially if you ask them to name a female superhero. She was most likely going to be the first one that uh, most people would name. So it's not like Wonder Woman is um, an overnight success in terms of her character finding popularity, but it still. But the point I think the point still remains that when you have a very good movie made about one of your characters and people enjoy it, that it's going to be very very successful, and it doesn't have to be related to Batman or Superman. So I think it will inspire Warner Brothers. Uh, I think it should because I know we've we've seen Warner Brothers with some of the stuff that they have going on right now, whether it's Batgirl or Gotham City Sirens, that they're making movies about other characters, but they're still keeping close to that Batman connection. But I think Wonder Woman should show them that, look, you can go completely outside of those worlds uh, and still have something that will be very, 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 very successful as long as the movie's good and as long as you have, you can tap into why, those, why these characters have devoted fan bases and have a chance to expand that with a mainstream audience. Next question comes from at Cole Huesca. What do you think is going to happen with Deathstroke in the Batman film? And who would you cast as Riddler in the DCEU? Well, I guess we'll just go with uh, Andrew Garfield for the Riddler question. Uh, but uh, actually, I don't know. I had ideas for Riddler, but I've kind of lost some of them. I, I had a really good one, and now I can't remember it at the time. But anyway, um, as far as what's going to happen with Deathstroke, it's anyone's guess, um, but... And again, it's just because it, it's anyone's guess. It's and now I'm the one talking. It's going to go ahead and be my guess. I I have to lean towards him not being in the Batman film. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that that's not what's going to happen, uh, because I think that Matt Reeves is totally going to get the opportunity as the director to guide this project and get the villain that that he wants to have in in his bat or villains that he wants to have in his Batman movie. And it would just be, I mean, I guess it would be a fortunate coincidence for people who are fans of Deathstroke uh, to, for Matt Reeves to also want to work with Deathstroke. But because the Batman is getting a page one rewrite and you have a new director coming in, I kind of have the feeling that, you know, that maybe Deathstroke will be an unfortunate victim of, of circumstance there. And it's not something, you know, and it's not Matt Reeves being a jerk and not including Deathstroke, but I just feel like this is a guy who has wanted to make Batman movies before. I mean, my Superhero News co-host and you know somebody who's been on the show, as I mentioned before, Mark Hughes, interviewed Matt Reeves a few years ago for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and asked him if he was interested in making a Batman movie, and he said he was. And, and so I think this is something that... And, and I don't think Matt Reeves is, is alone in this. I think a lot of directors kind of have the Batman franchise as almost a bucket list kind of thing, or at least a wouldn't-it-be-great-to kind of thing. And... I think they probably all have their list of, of villains that they would want to work with. Uh, 
or or at least have the villain that they would definitely want to work with in their first Batman movie, if they, just in case they were only ever going to get to make one Batman movie or even give one pitch for a Batman movie, here's the villain that they would want, and this is what they would want to do with that character. And so I kind of think that's what's going to happen, and I just don't necessarily believe that we are going to coincidentally see Deathstroke being a villain of choice for Matt Reeves. I'm not ruling it out, but if I just have to guess what's going to happen... Uh, I'm gonna lean toward uh, I'm gonna lean toward Deathstroke uh, not making it there, but with so many other things happening in the DCEU and so many other Batman related things, and Deathstroke, by the way, not a Batman villain. You know, he's a Teen Titans villain. I know he's been around in Batman comics and Batman's fought him, but this is a character who, not just on the TV show but in comics, has been a villain for uh, Green Arrow. Again, a big villain for the Teen Titans. So this is a character who can easily be repurposed, whether that's in a Suicide Squad sequel or Gotham City Sirens or a Nightwing solo movie, if that gets developed, or, or if we see some type of Teen Titans being developed. And I know we're going to get the Titans uh, show on the DC web service, but you could still get a Teen Titans movie going. I mean, we're getting Flash in the TV and, and movie universes, so we could, it doesn't rule, you know, the Titans thing doesn't uh, rule that out from happening in the movies. And Deathstroke could be part of that. So I think that character will find a home in the DCEU. It just, I just, right now, if I had to guess, I'm just going to say that it's probably not the uh, Batman solo film. Next question from at Q's post. What do you think of Jenkins directing a Superman film? Uh, I would love it. I mean, Patty Jenkins did an extraordinary job as, uh, as the director of Wonder Woman, of course. I think looking at her as a director of Superman is... It's actually kind of obvious uh, when you look at just how much she really embraced the style of superhero storytelling that, you know, and, and this is not, no secret, she's been very open about it, that of not just in terms of an influence on the movie, but an influence on her life, the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve Superman. So, you know, I think she would, uh, I think if she had the opportunity to direct a Superman film, she would do an extraordinary job. I, I think... What I would prefer, though, is she did such a great job with Wonder Woman. I want to see Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 2. That's the next movie that I want to see from her, and I know she's negotiating with Warner Brothers right now, and I hope that deal gets done because when Patty Jenkins talked a, a month or two ago about wanting to uh, you know, make that second movie with Wonder Woman now in on her own and not necessarily part of a Justice League team on her own in, in this modern world, um, that, I want to see that. I want to see what Patty Jenkins does with uh, with Wonder Woman in a modern setting, not just in the period piece uh, from World War One that we have in this film. So I would love to see Jenkins get another opportunity with that character. And since I hope that Jenkins is busy making Wonder Woman 2, then that leaves the Superman job open for somebody else. But maybe somewhere else down the line... Um, Patty Jenkins directing a Superman film, I would love it. Or if for some reason they decided that that she and Warner Brothers decided they'd rather have her make Superman and have somebody else for Wonder Woman 2, I'd, I'd be fine with that as well. But I just right now, I really want to see what Jenkins does with Wonder Woman uh, with another film because she did such an extraordinary job in the, her uh, in her first one. Next question comes from at KM Vanderberg. Hi, Carrie. Uh, do you think Wonder Woman is the first sign of Jeff Johns and John Berg's leadership of the DCEU? Um... Maybe, uh, but I don't. I don't necessarily know. Uh, I can't really give Jeff Johns and John Berg the 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 credit. I mean, it's it's tricky because I don't. 
it's possible that this is their influence and their leadership, but I just think a lot of this comes from Patty Jenkins as, as the filmmaker. Now, granted, she didn't write it. Uh, Alan Heinberg wrote it, um, and I think he did, a, obviously, a, a great job. But I think when you, look at, when you look at Wonder Woman, you see the film, it really is the film that Patty Jenkins has been promising the entire time. And I don't think she got that because that's what Jeff Johns and John Berg wanted. I think she got that because that's what the film that Patty Jenkins wanted to make. So it's not, and that's not to say that, that Jeff Johns and John Berg didn't do anything to help guide it, you know, to help guide things into place. I, I don't feel that way. But and just remember that when Jeff Johns and John Berg got their jobs as, you know, more as the leaders of DC films uh, about now, I guess that's been about a year ago now, uh, Wonder Woman had already completed principal photography. So they had already gone off and shot the entire film. So it's hard to say that it's really a sign of their leadership when uh, pre-production and production had already happened. Now, obviously, they were around through the post-production process, and we've all heard, you know, we all know the cliche, and it's, and it's true. Movies are made in the editing room, and we all know about reshoots and all that stuff that goes on with the making of these films. But I tend to think that I... I I give this to Jenkins in terms of what she brought to it, and it's not, again, that's not to be dismissive of the contributions of anyone else, but I think where we will see the leadership of Jeff Johns and John Berg is not so much with Wonder Woman and not even so much with Justice League, a little bit, but, but again, so many wheels were in motion with Justice League by the time they got the job, by the time they, they got these new jobs that they have. So I, as I've said before, I really lean towards you know, 2018 and beyond for when we're really going to start seeing the signs of Jeff Johns and John Berg, because that's when we'll see films that that they were part of and that they were leading from from pre-production into production and through the development process. So I think that's where we'll see um, more of their more of their leadership uh, becoming apparent. Uh, next question comes from at Condor underscore Zlander. Will Aquaman be the only DCEU film in 2018, or will Warner Brothers release two or three DC movies in 2018, uh, like the MCU will be in 2018? <clears throat> I think the only way that we get two films in 2018 from the DCEU would be because Justice League gets pushed back, and more on that later. <laughs> and that's not me saying it's going to. I'm just saying that that's the only way I envision a second DCEU film in 2018, it would mean because we only got one in 2017. Um, I, I think Aquaman is it because the, the only one that seemed to be moving really, really fast was, uh, was actually Batgirl because it, you know, Warner Brothers was ready to move fast with Joss Whedon. But now with him handling his stuff with Justice League and guiding that movie to the finish line to its release date in November... Um, I don't. He's not going to have time, obviously, to finish developing Batgirl, get it into production, shoot it, and go through post and visual effects and all that stuff. Uh, he's not going to have time to do all that and have it ready in in 2018. Um, Gotham City Sirens doesn't appear to be uh, imminent uh, in terms of its production because you have uh, David Ayer in talks of possibly directing uh, the the Scarface remake. So if that I don't think those negotiations even happen if uh, if uh, Gotham City Sirens is something that's going to be shooting uh, sometime this year. Um, and then if you look at, uh, as we mentioned before, with the Batman, 
because of the page one rewrite and Matt Reeves still basically working on and then promoting War for the Planet of the Apes up, into, up until July or even through July, I just don't see the Batman getting in front of cameras early enough for a 2018 release. So I think Aquaman is going to be it in 2018 again, unless Justice League gets pushed back and I'll wait for a Justice League question to talk about that more. Um, but I, I do believe that uh, I do believe that Aquaman is going to be it. And that's and really that's all that matters is that these movies are ready. So as if Aquaman is the only one that's going to be ready in 2018, then just put out Aquaman. It's better to put out one film that is really, really good and that is ready than to put out three films when two of them, you know, the two films or, or three films when a couple of them might not even be ready uh, and that you force just for no other reason. You don't put out three movies just because Marvel did. You put out three movies because you actually have three movies that are ready. And I don't think uh, DC is going to have that in 2018. And that's just fine. I'll be happy enough with, I think Aquaman is going to be so great that uh, DC can have a successful year with just the one film. Because, uh, well, and plus if Aquaman is good, then they're automatically batting a thousand. You can't have a miss when you only have one film and it hits. Uh, next question comes from at Bobby Claus one. Will we get an Aquaman teaser or character photos of Black Manta and Ocean Master at SDCC in July? I'm going to lean towards us getting character photos probably maybe from Entertainment Weekly before Comic-Con because remember that's one thing that that happens is either the week of or sometimes the week before Entertainment Weekly puts out a fo you know puts out feature articles and usually there is a cover story about one of the next year's films um so I think we could very very likely see uh, Aquaman on the cover and maybe get photos of Black Manta and Ocean Master uh, before Comic-Con, but if we even if we don't, I think we'll definitely get those character photos at Comic-Con, and I do believe that Warner Brothers will show the first Aquaman footage at Comic-Con this year uh, in Hall H. Um, I, I totally believe that that will happen. I don't, I don't have any doubts about that, uh, because by then, they'll have a couple months of, they'll already be a couple months into production, um, and they probably and this is something that studios do now. Some of them, I mean, Marvel does it, and, and Warner Brothers has done it as well, you know, that where they film stuff just knowing that the uh, the main point of this is to to have it ready, to have it available uh, for Comic-Con. So I'm, I I expect that, and so we'll see. May, I mean, maybe not, and maybe I'll be disappointed uh, inside Hall H, but I, I don't think I will be. I think we're going to get some Aquaman. Next question from at Kevin Kevin 4011 how much do you think Whedon will contribute to Justice League with the additional photography? I think Joss Whedon is contributing a lot with the additional photography. I mean, I think we, based on Zack Snyder's statement when he, of course, had to step away from Justice League because of the, the tragic loss of, of his daughter, I, I think it was, you know, Joss Whedon was already writing some additional scenes, and I know they're going to be filming those and doing some reshoots. And I, I think that Joss Whedon will have, uh, I think he will definitely be making a significant contribution. And of course, you still have several months left of post-production to do as well for the film. And so I, I think his contribution will be significant. Um, but I do believe that, I, I do believe that his goal is to not just now make Justice League a Joss Whedon film. I think his goal is to still finish the movie that Zack Snyder was making. Now, obviously, he is not Zack Snyder, so he's not going to necessarily make every choice that Zack Snyder would make. And, and so there's probably going to be 
a little bit of a fusion of, of their two styles. And we'll see, you know, we'll have to see when we watch the final film exactly, you know, how much of, how much, how much of it is Whedon, how much of it is, is Zack Snyder. Uh, but I think Whedon's contribution, regardless of how much we're aware of it uh, in terms of any possible tonal shifts in a film, I, I think his contribution will be very, very significant. And, and as I mentioned before, once I got a Justice League question, I would, I would talk about it. I mean, I know, um, you know, it's, I do think there is that potential, you know, with Whedon taking on this spot. I mean, I, I know obviously the goal is to still have all of this done and there is enough time to get this done, depending on how much additional photography is needed. You know, there could still definitely be enough time for them to go ahead and, and get the movie ready in time for November. Um, and this is not me reporting anything. It's just in terms of my own speculation. It just wouldn't surprise me if the movie still somehow ended up being pushed back to 2018. I think it just kind of depends on those, the scenes with additional photography. Do all those scenes go exactly as planned? Does everything happen according to schedule and, and everything? If they knock it all out on time and leave themselves enough time to uh, go through the post process for all of that additional photography, then maybe they'll, you know, I, I lean towards thinking that, that Justice League will indeed come out on November 17th. I just won't be shocked if somehow um, it does get pushed. But, of course, I'd, I'd much rather... I want to see Justice League whenever it's ready. So hopefully that's uh, November that's November 17th. And, and until we hear different, that's what, uh, that is what I'll assume. But, yeah, I think Whedon's is going to be uh, pretty significant. Uh, let's see. Let's go for another question here. Let me just scroll through. Well, somebody asked from at Marvel underscore nation, when are you bringing back the Marvel news podcast? Well, that's kind of in the same situation as the Batman news podcast, but yeah, we're, we're working on it and we'll, we'll see it. Uh, next one comes from at Vinaldo seven. Would you like to see a Shazam trilogy of Shazam black Adam Shazam first thunder and Shazam power of hope, uh, an anti-hero origin redemption series well, that seems to be the kind of thing that The Rock has been teasing, um, or I should say Dwayne Johnson. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be up for it. I think that would be that would be a fun way to do it. And, you know, I, I like the character of Black Adam, so I think that could really be something that, that would work and be a lot of fun. So I think that is the direction they want to go for, and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, next question comes from at... Ari Hart one, do you see uh, DC slash Warner Brothers announcing any future movies uh, slash dates at Comic Con? Possibly, um, they they really could because they we know that they have some movies that are that have been in development that they've been working on. I mean, we know that we've heard about negotiations for new directors for the Flash, and we've heard about Batgirl and Gotham City Sirens and Suicide Squad two. So. All of those movies have the potential to get announcements with directors if they don't already have one or release dates and all that. But I don't know if Warner Brothers will have all that ready by Comic-Con, but they could. Um, but I think Warner, what Warner Brothers actually hasn't done a lot of at Comic-Con the last few years is announce release dates for movies. They've really just been able to show new footage from their DCEU. That really has been the focus. Is It's really more of showing, like, here's what we got. Here, not so much, here's what we're going to do. And I, think, you know, and I think that's worked for them. If you really look at the reaction that they've gotten at Comic-Con for the past few years from when they showed the very first 
footage ever of Batman v Superman, which was in 2014, to showing more of Batman v Superman and the first Suicide Squad stuff in 2015, or um, you know, showing Justice League footage and Wonder Woman stuff in 2016. Like you can really see that they're want, they want to show what they've been doing, and so I think the stars of uh, you know Warner Brothers. Comic-Con presentation this year, it's going to be Justice League, and it's going to be Aquaman. Um, and then maybe they throw in an announcement there. Um, certainly they could, even without a release date, they can still formally announce Joss Whedon's Batgirl and maybe do like a logo treatment for it. And they can formally announce Gotham City Sirens. So those are the things that they can do even without putting a, a release date on it. But maybe we'll get some release dates. But um, I think it might actually be a better idea just to wait and see when those projects are much more firmly in, in development than we, and again, like we know what's going on with Whedon, it might be tough for them to really say what Batgirl's release date would be. So, but it, if they could land a director, whether that was Robert Zemeckis or Matthew Vaughn or somebody else for The Flash, and they could book a release date for it, I think that would be a great one, especially if they get uh, a big name director to go along with it. Uh, let's see. Next question comes from at Sarah Vaughn. If you had to order the releases, for the Gotham slash Batman movies, Batman, Batgirl, Gotham City Sirens, which do you think will come first and last and so on? Um, right now, I, I actually lean towards the Batman uh, coming first uh, because, again, if David Ayer potentially makes another film before he comes and does Gotham City Sirens or if that means somebody else has to come in and direct Gotham City Sirens, I think that one could push that back. With Whedon... Uh, basically now being on Justice League duty through the end of this year, I think that he's probably, I, I think that pushes Batgirl back. Um, so the one who we know get, gets the chance to, the, the one film that gets the chance to hit the ground running with its filmmaker first is going to be the Batman. So I would say that that is the one that probably happens first. And then it's tough to say whether or not Batgirl or Gotham City Sirens or the Nightwing movie, what order it goes in after that. Um, I, I really don't know, have much insight on the status of those projects. Um, and again, it just kind of depends on what happens with uh, David Ayer. But I think the Batman is going to be the first one to be released out of that group right now. And our next question comes from at Desimond. How about that new DCEU logo, Sean? Uh, with, of course, the applause emojis and uh, the well-deserved applause emojis i loved it when i saw wonder woman and that dc that dc logo flashed in front i i absolutely loved it i love that type of fanfare to me it's i i have a blast with it i love the marvel logo especially the new one that plays in front of their films and i love the dceu one or the dc films one and to me like i i've always been a big fan of of branding like i i love that you know i love something that shows uh, especially in these superhero films, kind of a pride within their stories. And, and I know that they've had, and I like that these logos are now taking on a life of their own from the movies and not just necessarily taking the logo that we've seen, you know, printed on comic book covers forever and ever. And it's not to say I don't love those logos that you have on DC Comics and Marvel Comics. I do. I love them very much. And they were just fine, you know, in front of the movies. But I think in terms of branding this, with so many superhero films coming out now, um, I mean, we have more than a handful now every single year. With so many, I think the branding becomes that much more important. And I think that means that in the form of title cards, fanfare, whatever, you know, logos, whatever you want to call them, 
I think making a bigger deal out of them, you know, before a film starts, I think it's even more important so that that way, if somebody else's superhero film maybe isn't so good, maybe the audiences have a better idea of, you know, okay, well, it wasn't these guys. Because mainstream audiences still aren't all that great at keeping up with who makes what. There's, they're better at it now than they have been in the past, but they're still not that great at it from an overall perspective. They're still, I get plenty of questions all the time uh, from my from my friends who are not so much into superhero films of when Wonder Woman is going to hang out with Captain America and all that stuff. Like I still get those types of questions. So there are plenty of people who still don't get the difference between Marvel and DC or, and certainly don't get the difference between Marvel and Marvel, between Marvel uh, Studios and Fox. They think it's all the same and it's not because they, they're incapable of comprehending such things. It's just, they don't take the time to learn it because they rather focus on other things, which is totally understandable. So, um, I love that they're, you know, that DC is now doing more to establish their, their own brand. And I just think, you know, it's little touches like that that just seem trivial, but I, I actually think they make a difference. And, and it's great that it debuted with Wonder Woman because now it debuts with a film that so many people have embraced. Critics loved it. Audiences loved it. Um, you know, Wonder Woman ended up having, I think, like a 43.4% hold uh, from its first weekend to second weekend. And, you know, post-2000, the only film that's had a better second weekend hold is, uh, is uh, Spider-Man from 2002, which, had a 37, which only dropped 37%, you know, compared to Wonder Woman dropping 43, I think, like 0.4%, which narrowly beats the, the drop of, I think it was like 43.6 or something like that for Batman Begins. So, Wonder Woman has had been an amazing success story, and to have that new uh, to have that new DC logo right on right in front of it, I think it's just great. It's not only is it a, a beautiful logo, but it could not have come at a better time for DC films. So I think I think it all just came together beautifully, uh, just as that logo comes together beautifully um, as we watch it. Uh, you know, as we watch the animation on it uh, before the film. So I, I love it because it's. To me, that's part of the excitement of going and seeing these movies, especially for the first time, is that DC logo comes on. Uh, and now when you see that, you just know you're going to be in for something special. And it, and it makes it feel like you're, into, you're in for something special, which is not to say we weren't already excited and getting goosebumps anyway, but it just adds to it. And it adds to it in a really awesome way. So I love it. Next question from at prettyboym underscore soda. Any updated news on Matt Reeves joining uh, the DCEU and is he still connected to Man of Steel 2 well Matt Reeves is directing the Batman so he is connected to the DCEU so um, and as far as Man of Steel 2 I would assume not because he's going to be busy directing the Batman and if that goes well I presume he would be directing uh, more Batman films so in terms of him joining the DCEU in a more active capacity, I'm, I'm sure that's about to happen within the next couple months as he finishes up uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So I don't think it will be very long uh, before we have a chance to see uh, more from um, more from Matt Reeves in the DCEU and to start getting uh, more news about what's going to happen with the Batman, because I know that's the one that, as much as we love all the other DC films and as much as we're looking forward to all of them, this is, of course, Batman news where... Priority number one is Batman, and we want to see what Matt Reeves is going to do. And I do hope, I really do hope that even though there would be no footage to show, obviously, because we're not even close to the movie uh, filming, it would be great for Matt Reeves to make an appearance at San Diego Comic-Con and maybe just give fans 
a little bit of an idea, even if it's in a super general, super vague kind of way of just what he's looking forward to doing uh, with the Batman. I think that would be great if he could, uh, if he could somehow find the time to uh, make it down to San Diego just for five minutes to pop by Hall H and uh, let everybody know just a little bit of what they can expect from him as uh, the new director of the Batman franchise. I think that would be really cool. So that is all the questions that I have. And uh, once again, I want to thank, uh, or I actually haven't done this yet, I do want to thank all of you who've been listening to the Batman News Podcast and who uh, came back after this long hiatus, if you came back and listened to this show. Uh, Again, we're still working on bringing the Batman News Podcast back in a more regular way, whatever form that takes. Uh, In the meantime, you can always keep up with Batman News on the website, batmannews.com. Or on Twitter at Batman Newscom. You can also find Batman News on Facebook. And like I said, if you want to see and or hear myself and Mark Hughes and uh, some other guests that we have, like Sabina Ibarra, if you want to hear us talking or see us talking about DC movies, you can see that over on the Superhero News YouTube channel, or you can just hear it again. Search for the Superhero News podcast in the fa- in the uh, same source where you found your the Batman News podcast, and you can listen there. And if you want to just follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Mr. Sean Gerber. So once again, for Batman News, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.